0: Hello and welcome back to Week in Politics. I think this is episode five, I think it is. And uh, I'm joined with Albert and Orsayas. Uh, of course, we're back for another week. And uh, this week, we're going to be taking a different sort of uh, format. Uh, we're going to be, rather than doing our usual sort of comedy, lighthearted approach to the news, we're going to be focusing on uh, China because last week it came up that we thought we should be using this as a platform to spread awareness, to open up debate, uh, and, you know, be a, a platform of freedom of speech. and. We thought this would be a fantastic opportunity to talk about uh, the CCP and China and uh, currently what's going on over there with the uh, Muslims, coronavirus, climate change, and obviously Hong Kong. So um, let's dive straight in. Firstly, how are you two doing today? Good, I'm good, thanks. Awesome. Good. Uh, it's obviously lovely weather outside and we're uh, sort of, like still doing a podcast, but I'm sure it's all worth it to uh, to really open up the debates on China. So obviously the, the main thing we want to talk about is uh, obviously what's happened with the Uyghur Muslims uh, in China. Uh, there's 11 million of them in Western China uh, and uh, I believe up to a million of them have been detained simply for being Muslim. So, Adi, what do you think about uh, China's approach to their uh, the policy on, on the Muslims in Western China?
1: I think it's obviously absolutely disgusting. Um, you know, there's, I think that it's really under a poor so I think that there's been some, like I have read, there have been some things that have, uh, you know, statements against it more. But the fact, I think the thing is, this is something that everybody should know about. And there are other news stories that people should know about but aren't talked about enough. Um, and this certainly is one of them. You know, I'm just really, you know, for example, I have something from, the independence here, an article from the Independent, which includes talking about the gang rape that's employed in these camps, um, in fact there's one quote here which says, while they were raping her, they checked to see how we were reacting. People who turned their head or closed their eyes, and those who looked angry or shocked were taken away and we never saw them again. That's, and that's the end of the quote, and I think that's something that is just, you know, things like this that are going on, and the fact that you have the President of the United States recently was uh, Quote is saying that he said that this was the right thing to do, um, and like I mentioned, that so many people don't know about this and it's not really that reported on. I think that's partly because of the secrecy, but also it just hasn't had enough attention. Because if you search for them, there are sources on this, there are reports that could be like more widely shared. We obviously don't know the full details, but the fact that there's a million people, or well, you know, at least probably a million people who've been in these camps fact that we know for a fact from various sources that the guards are told you know not to escape anyone you know they are imprisoned they're tried. we've also seen it's also certain that they're attacking uh, you know the religion of these people and the culture of these people and trying to get rid of it um you know like i mentioned there the story from an eyewitness that's very you know absolutely barbaric what they're doing this is something that should be talked about much more, it's something that should be addressed much more by the international community. I was just looking through, I mean, I saw there was one thing, I think it said 22 ambassadors um, previously, uh, all, all from different countries, have previously signed a letter condemning them. But it's just not enough, I don't think, I think this just shouldn't, in a country that is reliant on being obviously a global country and it's exports and it's trying to improve its image in the world, this should just never be allowed to happen. I think that the international community does have enough, you know, because of the interests of China. It has enough that it can do to put much more pressure. And honestly, I think that they just there are people that simply don't care enough. Like yeah. I think that given how reliant countries are on China and how relevant China is a global country, I think everyone should know about this everyone should care about this and the government should be doing much much more to stop this because it's just completely disgusting that this is happening in our lifetimes
0: yeah uh, albert what do you think about the uh, the crisis i would say happening in western china
2: yeah well i would i would agree with pretty much everything say, as I said there or or all bit really that yeah it's it's not it's not nearly widely reported enough the only place i've really i mean i haven't delved in that deeply but like i've seen it on bbc news a few times being featured but as a kind of quite high up item, but even then not, not as regularly as you would think it should be. Mm. Uh, And we should definitely, the UK government should definitely be doing more to condemn both, both the Chinese government, of course, for doing it. And of course, as we were saying about Trump saying that it's the right thing to do, we should be challenging him on that as well. You know, yeah. Basically endorsing it.
0: No, absolutely. I think it's a horrendous what's happening there. I think it's, it's needs more coverage. It needs more people, uh bringing this up you know people are bringing up things on social media about yemen and black lives matter as well this is up there at equal prominence on it i think it's it's disgusting what's happening over there you know no one should be as heavily surveyed, surveyed as they are you know, they're putting in camps uh up to a million have been detained you know they're being forced to learn mandarin chinese to renounce their faith which you which is the worst thing you can do that's that's a human right that you can believe whatever you want to believe and practice whatever you want to practice not being you know Brainwash into thinking something different, and this is a modern day assimilation. You know, this is something you know. Andrew Jackson did it with the Native Americans. We did it. Uh, the British Empire did it and went to India, and it's been frowned upon through history. It's never worked, and now it's not getting the coverage it should do. This is an absolute disgusting thing that's happening over there. Uh, but why do you think that there is no news coverage of this in in the UK and in the United States? Why isn't the all or there is, but there's very little of it? What do you think that is, Oddie? i think
1: that like i mentioned i think it's partly the secrecy is in because obviously china's not being you know honest about them. i mean i think at first they denied that there even were camps and then obviously you know that was completely found out to be a lie and now they're trying to lie about or well you know we can't say that a hundred percent certainty but it you know seems extremely extremely likely that they're telling quite a lot of lies about you know what's actually happening in these camps um it's certainly true that people are detained and treated in horrible conditions um and so you know that is part of it that it's being raised about and obviously media can only report about things that are 100 percent facts you know when we all know that news comes up much easier from countries that are open and share things obviously china just doesn't want to share things that's that's part of it there's a slight limit of access to uh to, to facts and data and then i think the other part of it is i do honestly think that there just isn't enough like caring about this like i mean there are other issues that are you know there are a number of issues that are underreported in the news um this is certainly isn't the only one of them you know i mean for example yemen i think is something people don't talk about enough uh i think you know so that is just partly it like i think that sometimes we don't report enough about things that are really really important and they are still important even if they're happening on the other side of the world like obviously if there's a problem in a, a nearby european country that would be headline news uh, or in this country you know headline news in comparison to things that go on all over the world but i do think that this is so critical it's so important that it should be headline news you know everywhere in the world um so so that's why they're, they're my two reasons why i think that it's underreported
0: yeah uh, albert why, why do you think it's underreported
2: uh, yeah, well, I would agree with that. I, it's probably about lack of knowledge of the full details about what's going on, possibly to do with not wanting to uh, antagonise China when they're a major trading partner. I suppose that's certainly why the UK government's less willing to criticise them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, no I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's disgusting that the media have not picked this up. Um, and I do think it's because the media want to do what people uh, want to report what people are interested in, and no one seems to be interested in this, which is horrible. This should be the first thing which you see on the six o'clock news, it should be the thing that is being condemned. Because the one thing you do you, is it China or a stubborn country, we know that they don't budge easily on, on things like this. But if, if there was worldwide condemnation, then something would be done. If it's brought to light, countries can't get away with this, you know, it's not something they can just simply just brush into the carpet, which they're trying to do now. You know, they let the BBC into one of these these places and um, the BBC went around and looked and the BBC did a very good job of reporting the issues there. But as you can tell, they didn't want them to be there. They only showed them what was, you know, an image, a play essentially as a performance. It, was going, it wasn't the real life situation which, ha- which is happening there. So I do believe that there's needs to be more reporting, more investigation into something like this uh, to be able to to get the facts and to really spread awareness on it. And um, what I do you sorry, think that... Yeah, sorry. sorry.
1: Of things um just a couple of things but one thing firstly i think i mean i don't know enough about this argument myself to make it myself um i'm not saying whether i I agree or not because i actually don't know but i think there are some people that would say that um muslim issues are perhaps not represented as much in the media as they could be because like you know perhaps people in the in the media don't pay enough attention and generally they're just sort of not thought about enough like i mean these are sort of from the Kazakh minorities, uh, some of the people in these camps. And so in general, the, I think there are some people that would argue that it's sort of partly just an imbalance of power and uh, a group that's not cared about enough as it should. And also another thing just to mention in terms of the context, I think we should mention that China have shown themselves as very willing to um, sort of punish people that share things about this. I mean, one example, um, I'm sure everyone will remember, or some people may remember that Mesut Ozil, uh, tweeted about the the Uyghur Muslims, and as a result, China, I think, banned all broadcasts of the next Arsenal match, which is I seem to remember on City. Um, so you know, it demonstrates, and you know, in the same way, if you, if you were to do that, say not a football player, but uh, a news company, maybe China will just ban you from going to their country if you if you really expose it or something like that. So I think that's another thing that. Everyone has things to lose, and China have shown that they're going to be so secretive over this that they are basically going to punish you, whoever you are and whatever like profession. They're just going to punish you as you can. You know, in the Urzel example. Because of that, Arsenal didn't actually like Mezetuzil's clubs for anyone that's lying to football. Um, Arsenal didn't actually back Mezetuzil up because they know that they need to have access to the Chinese market. They need their matches to be shown. They need their shirts to be sold. Um, and so you know, and the same will go across. You know, there's an example of that. For probably every company or media company across society. So I think that's another thing to to mention.
0: No, absolutely. Um, obviously, that's a uh, we we class that as a you know human rights atrocity going on there. But they're also committing another human rights atrocity. Well, I believe so. In in Hong Kong, uh, the the agreement which we made, uh, the treaty with China, uh, isn't being. Uh, you know, kept on, kept on China's side. Albert, what do you make of what's happening with, between China, Britain and Hong Kong?
2: Well, I, yeah, I agree that it is something that should, I think this is also something that should have more, more attention and certainly should, should be taken stronger action on by the UK government, because obviously we do have some sort of involvement, you know, more involvement than other countries in this issue in trying to stand up for Hong Kong's rights as a, you know, more autonomous and, area of china than others because uh, basically china at the moment is just trying to impose its own will on the on the city and on the whole place which is you know very dangerous and there's a lot of you know not very good stuff that's come out of there
0: mm.
1: over the past few months
0: no abso- absolutely um yeah i what do you think of what's the situation in hong kong
1: yeah, I mean, from what I'm gathering, it all sort of comes out of this thing that was signed, um, including the UK, um, of sort of to do with the Hong Kong independence and sort of what's going to happen after that and China wanting to have more influence. And I think there's, isn't China wanting the, oh, is, it, is it one country, two citizens or something like that? Um, yeah. But basically, I think that, um, yeah, for, from what I see, I think that China are basically trying to, get more control. They're obviously trying to repress the rights of the people there and they're obviously protesting which or or, you know, we're protesting which sort of causes more clashes and I think that in some ways obviously the UK probably shouldn't, it's one of those where the UK probably shouldn't have been involved in Hong Kong as it's true of quite a lot of countries with the UK in the first place but because it has been it probably should have done more because you know, it has had that influence Mm -hmm. and it should like not just go away and not care, It, it should still be trying to, to do things with that to protect
0: the people a bit more. Yeah, Obviously, I just want to bring some, some breaking news happening right now. Uh, Labour leader uh, I, yeah, um, has just sacked Rebecca Long-Bailey uh, for sharing an article containing anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So uh, that's just... Uh, I just that I've just there. seen that myself
2: actually. Yeah, yeah. We, won't,
0: we won't talk about it because it doesn't fit in with, with what we're saying. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Rebecca Long-Bailey has been sacked from the shadow cabinet. Uh, the last sort of bastion of Jeremy Corbyn uh but back 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 to Hong kong uh I completely agree with what you're saying. I think the Britain needs to do so much more to protect it they, they are they, a lot of them count themselves British a lot of them do they 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 feel like they feel more British than they do chinese uh and that needs to that needs to come in and surprise the Conservative party have not or this conservative government shall i say hasn't done more. You think they would take more pride in have a a patriotic uh country elsewhere you know this sort of last centre of the British Empire you would think that they would want to come and uh, and and come out more for it but they've they've really let the the hong kong side down at my you know before i left university there was this year they had a when it was at the, the you know the, the peak of of the the violence over there uh, there was the chinese students facing off the hong kong students on, on campus uh and it was quite scary to be honest i mean there was very little hong kong students there but there was violence there was punches thrown wouldn't really call them punches more handbags Uh, were thrown to be honest Um, but it was it was it was terrifying and i do think that more needs to be done on on that side because you know they deserve to have their own independence their own state uh, by the agreement which britain and china uh, are abiding by
1: Mm.
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah well i I think that the the government's lack of response to it is definitely about fear of antagonizing china because in a in a you know Brexit in a Brexit world, we need we need to rely on China yeah. even more to uh, support us with trade. So we don't want to upset them.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, it's all about it's it's all about Brexit. It really is this whole thing, this whole this whole podcast, this whole debate on when I'm asking you, you know, why is there no news coverage? Why why the government not doing anything? And it is simply because of Brexit. It's simply because we don't want to upset them. We don't want to you know tip the apple cart before we get our trade deal. And before we get our apples, shall I say, and uh, it it really is is such a situation where human rights, human lives aren't coming before trade deals. And you know me, I'm all for the economy. I'm all for uh, people who listen to this podcast will know I've stood by economy over, um, you know, human lives many times before, and I've done it on coronavirus. But this time, it really does need to be human lives over the economy, because it's just it's it's cruel what's happening over there. It's something that you would expect from the Nazis and Hitler in the ninety in nineteen forty. than you would, uh, as of now, you know in twenty twenty, it's, it's it's disgusting. Um, but you know, and leading on from that, uh, we're going to talk about coronavirus. You know, it started off in in Wuhan in China. Um, Oz, Oz, do you think that China could have done more to stop the spread of the coronavirus?
1: Um, I think that there's some things that it said. It, that are said that it could have done more things but generally i think i don't think it's really right to be blaming china over this Is in i think that the virus was basically going to get out either way um we knew that coronavirus was around we knew that china was locking down which demonstrated that it was serious um you know the threat was there and you know plenty of countries responded appropriately from south korea to greece um you know, in different ways but they did respond appropriately, they kept their deaths down, they managed to in the case of South Korea not have that much of a lockdown in the case of Greece have a much shorter lockdown because it was implemented earlier, say in the UK so I don't think that China really bears the brunt of the responsibility uh, for this because really in a globalised world it was always going to spread and I think that it's much more in the case of predominantly populist Governments that have failed to acknowledge the science. Some of them have been, you know, said basically, they basically told their citizens to do the opposite of what they actually should have done according to the science. Um, so, that I'm sure there are some things that China could have done, it was pretty clear to anyone who was like, who should have been in, in power that this was going to be a huge issue and this should be addressed. Um, and, you know, a lot of national governments failed to do that. So, I think we should put more responsibility with them.
0: Mm. Albert, what do you think about, could China have done more?
2: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'd agree with a lot the of say there. I'd say as well, something they should definitely be looking at going forward is about their relationship with what they've done with animals, because I know that that's a lot of the reason how it would have spread, potentially, is about human contact with animals. And I know that China is not a very good country for how they treat their animal kind. so that's definitely something they'd want to look at, maybe stop eating weird stuff and... Hmm. you know treat the animals better
0: <laughs> but, no yeah no but, I, I mean I, I believe that China uh, could have done more definitely they, they knew about it uh, they and I think I blame who I think who were wrapped up in this in this cover up I would say uh, that China have, that have brought on they knew that it was there The who said there was nothing to worry about Uh, In January, I think it was the 14th. I'm looking now; it's the 14th of January. Who said, you know, they don't expect this to spread? They think it would be contained in China. And what happened? You know, China were advising people to lock people in their rooms if they had any, you know, symptom of the illness. Put wooden wood on the doors and and nailed it in, so people couldn't get out their rooms. And that was done. That was coming from the CCP. that's not a way to deal with a virus. They could have done more. They could have spread it. They could have told people it's coming. It's going to spread. We can't stop it. They didn't. It was a cover up from start to finish from China and WHO. And yes, I completely agree with Odysseus that governments around the world could have done more uh, to prepare, but inevitably if China and WHO worked together from the start, it wouldn't have got as bad as it was. They could have contained it.
1: I mean, you say that, but I mean, okay, so two things. Firstly, I don't know where this whole idea of cover-up, is in the idea that the World Health Organization was, like, desperate for loads of people in the USA to die. Like, I don't really
0: get that no, well. no, 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 that's not the cover-up I'm talking about, i so I'm talking about that they could have done a lot more from the start. They could have warned people it was going to be as big as it was from the start. And they never did. They said on the WHO website. They said they released a statement on the fourteenth of January, saying that they didn't ex- they don't expect this to spread. They don't expect this to be a pandemic.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, though, they obviously got that wrong at that point. But there's still like two months in between then, and well, you know, I think I can't remember the exact date. Probably just over two months between then and sort of when the lockdowns were happening. And in that time, we didn't really prepare that much and you know yeah they got that thing wrong so that was only i think in the timeline i saw you know the real awareness of coronavirus was pretty much at the very very end of 2019 so that's only like two weeks in pretty much
0: well they're saying um, the first case could have been in october november
1: yeah but, but but what i'm saying is when people actually knew about it even though the cases were a lot earlier i think that the like first I'm pretty sure it was some. The first thing that I remember seeing was saying that it was reported on the 31st of December 2019. Um, and so I think that the thing is, it's just like, yes, they shouldn't have said that, but I don't I, I think that it's not a cover up. I don't think the World Health Organization is as flawed as people like Trump like to make out it is. Um, you know, and I think that ultimately the, the, the responsibility does fall more with national governments because of the fact that there's been such a variety there's been so many different outcomes and they largely do correlate the attitude of the government of the country that that is in so i do think it's much more down to national governments and um, yeah i
0: know that but that, that that's yeah that's 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 a- completely accurate and i agree with you that's from march onwards but i'm talking about in december and january could the china, china have done more to stop this not to stop it, but to prevent a larger spread than it was, could they have shut down their the you know uh, the air um, uh, airways you know the the planes and the airports? could they have uh, introduced social distancing into their workplaces? No, they wouldn't because the majority of them you know the places where it has spread is is in sweatshops and things like that is it you know, they could have done more. I genuinely believe they could have done more to stop the spread early on, before March, before it spread worldwide, they couldn't do it then. But to really prevent the amount of, you know, countries it was hitting, things like that, and to raise awareness early on, do you think they could have done more?
1: I think that they could have done more. In the the sense, I think one thing that's quite problematic, I think it's more the really obvious things that are quite problematic. So, for example, if you look at the outbreaks in Northern Italy, um i think that was partly because i can't remember which city but i think there was one city that had like a direct flight to wuhan because there was a lot of fashion business between like an italian city and clothes made in china Mm. like that's really obvious they should have shut down that much earlier because i'm pretty sure that they didn't know about that but then again like who that falls under like who would have been in the position to do that more whether it would have been you know the italian government or the chinese government um you know, I think that they could have done that, but also what we have to bear in mind I think that you like with China, when China was first involved with this, people were more sort of calling them you know they were more saying it's a sign of China's dictatorships so that they're just locking down the country, whereas we found out you know there's been plenty of democracies that have had early lockdowns and they have been quite successful, so we also have to slightly blame ourselves for how we perceive it because you know, and I guess in fairness, some of this is with the use of hindsight, but we can say now that like seeing china locked down early we should have said okay this shows that there's a really big problem as opposed to okay that demonstrates that china's a really bad dictatorship so i guess there's a number of ways you could like you know would yeah and would you have listened to it you know when you think of the fact that that's the perception that we had like would we've even listened if china would have sort of said how big a threat it is um you know i think there's a
0: lot yeah no 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 yeah no i agree with, with with parts of that definitely albert do you want to come in on this at all
2: Yeah, well, I was just—I just want to say that I hope that we would learn, we'll learn from this in the future, and that we'll be able to every as as a world respond better to this in the future. If anything like this was to happen again, you know, learn Mm. from the mistakes that have been made by by pretty much everyone, really, at some point.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, It's obviously uh, another part of the you know the sort of analyzing China's place in the world is obviously it's got to be a big one. It's it's climate change. You know, they they are the world's largest um, greenhouse gases uh, emitter and they are accountable to 27% of global emissions uh, in the world. So do we think China could do more, Albert, on climate change?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that they could. I think that there's a lot of uh, parts of Chinese industry that uh, use sort of outdated equipment and, you know, still using coal and oil and things like that rather than essentially more renewable sources of energy. Uh, I think it's basically because um, as China becomes a more and more affluent country and, you know, more and more people, it's sort of of going into the same processes that Britain went through in the kind of Industrial Revolution and stuff like that. So more people become richer, more people want technology, and more people in the Western world and, you know, first world countries want want this stuff as well. So basically, it's a big battle between the, the economy and the environment and The government, the other government, world governments need to put more pressure on China basically to prioritise the environment over the economy. But That is very difficult. It's easy to say that, but it's very difficult
1: to actually do in practice.
0: Otto says, what do you make of China's uh, involvement in climate change?
1: Yeah, I think it's hardly worth like sort of having a go at them about really, because China is nowhere near as bad as the United States is in terms of gas emissions per capita like the reason it emits more is just because it's a far 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 bigger country if you actually look at per capita the united states is a far worse offender than china is as are quite a lot of countries um i believe i'll just have in fact according to this chart the united kingdom's on quite a similar level to china just slightly better according to recent studies um although historically the uk has been a lot worse um so yeah, I don't, I don't I think that a lot of people try to do this where they sort of pass the buck to developing countries, um, but the reality is that industri- like I'd say like looking at sort of the per capita runs, it's pretty much always either the industrialized countries or the countries who are like mass producers of oil that are the most to blame. Um, so I think this whole argument that often gets used, and i mentioned mention it there they're sort of using more like inefficient technologies even though to some extent that's the case realistically it's our overconsumption in industrialized countries that's a much bigger problem and the only reason that china's going up is because i guess obviously as an emerging economy china's basically just becoming like us like how we already are so we really need to blame ourselves and countries you know like the us the uk who are pretty much always the consumers of this um, And yeah, I don't don't think that it's at all right to follow the sort of quite Trumpian argument of let's just blame China because China clearly isn't responsible um, in in comparison to a lot of other countries.
0: Mm. I I don't think they're responsible. I think they they need to do more. Uh, You know, they in the Paris Agreement. They're the only country to uh, not want to commit to the 2030 targets. Uh, And and simply because it is, is economy over human life. Or the way of life, and you know, and things like that. So, I do think they need to be they need to be accountable. Like I said, I'm not saying that they're the only country that should be held accountable. United States are, I like said, a bad. United Kingdom, even though the United Kingdom have committed, you know, more um, more promises and are actually on the way of doing that than most countries in the in the G7 uh, or in you know the United Nations, things like that. So, I do believe that uh, China do need to be held uh, accountable to this. Like I said, it is factories which they are producing you know they are they, they produce so much smog you know the, some people are saying that there's a there's a team over there football i know because i'm a, a millsworth fan myself We well, are one of our nicknames is the smoggies well there's a team in china who have also got the nickname the smoggies yeah because they, they, they're producing so much so much gas and and um you know and emissions and they they need to cut down there is no need in this modern day age to have the technology and the ways of producing an infrastructure uh, which we saw in the Industrial Revolution. You know, it's, it's, ba- it's backwards and not willing to keep up with the times on on new infrastructure and new ways of producing products uh, which are able to keep up with with helping reduce climate change. So that's where I stand on. I do think China needs to do more.
1: Well, you said, yeah, but, but the thing is, though, is that China, like the facts are that China simply is not anywhere near as big, you know, according to this chart, the sort of per capita CO2 emissions, the US pollutes over two times more per person than China. You I'm know, not
0: comparing, Odysseus. All... I'm not comparing the United States and China. You know, United States is a completely different situation. They need to be held accountable just as much. You know, I'm, I'm simply talking about China on their own. Do they need to do more? Yes, they do. Uh,
1: well, I, I, think, I think that although they do it's, I think that it's just wrong to frame it in this way, like, because I think that with climate change, you often do have people, and you know, and you mentioned it there, the sort of the smog thing, like, that's often referred to, you know, I mean, there are politicians who sort of, to say, to even countries like India, which have a far lower one than even China um, per capita, you know, that just because it sort of seems more polluted, it it must be more polluted, whereas actually, when you look at the statistics, like, there's a lot of countries in the West that just sort of like, you know, as in it feels a lot you know like there's less smog when you're there but actually the statistics are in terms of what actually matters which is co2 emissions because that's what causes the global warming we're contributing far more than a lot of these countries and i think that we should just you know stick to the facts and talk about the countries that do actually pollute more and address those and obviously it should be an effort that's brought together again which is challenged by you know people pulling out the climate agreement which to be fair was only a start Um, so I think that we do just need to sort of address it more globally and not just blame individual countries because I think that the problem with doing that the problem with saying China you need to do more about your situation is it does just deflect from what the real issue is. And the only way you can do it is just by looking at the sciences or saying what countries need to do, because most developing countries that are supposedly prioritizing development don't contribute anywhere near as much as, as the industrialized countries do anyway. So.
0: Okay. Okay. Just one final, two, two final questions. Do you think it's time to hold the CCP to account? Albert.
2: Uh, just in general or just like about just, everything? Just or? about
0: everything. Is it time that the other nations hold it and the media and everyone in the world holds the CCP to account for the first time?
2: Well, I, I certainly think that the British government in particular, you know, should, should do more to criticise some of the actions, particularly with the human rights stuff that we mentioned. Uh, but it's just part of a general trend that the government should do more to criticise human rights abuses all over the world really and you know stand up and make sure that we condemn them and say that it's not acceptable in the 21st century.
0: Mm. Odysseus?
1: Um, I think that on some things they they should be Um, but I think that to say that as a general policy like we're going to hold another country to account is not really the right way of putting it in my opinion.
0: Okay. I I think, I think they need to be held to account. I think their human rights record is atrocious. Uh, Their actions on uh, initially on coronavirus is atrocious and what they're doing in climate change is atrocious. And I think that they do need to be held to account. They need to really know that what they're doing, if they want to be a global player, what they're doing is not the way forward. Uh, If they want to be a part of it, like I was going to ask you, do you think they should be a member of the G7? There's been calls for them to be members of the G7 uh do you think they should be
1: um i, th- I think that sorry does Albert say something no no no, no, no. no i'm just gonna say yeah you go mm. um i think that i'm not sure whether like kicking them out of the, the things is the first thing you should do like i say i think that you know this this narrative that Harvey slightly put him across that everything they're doing they're just doing worse like they're responsible for you know, the, the climate change and the human, life. even though there are... I never indiv- said they're
0: responsible for climate change. I said they need to be doing more.
1: As do all countries.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like, I never said, never denied that.
1: I think Off that it's on issues and cooperating, I don't think that it's necessarily about just being straight up and saying that China, you know, is worse. Like I take it on more of an issue by issue basis, as opposed to just sort of attacking the country in general, because I don't think that works.
0: Uh, Albert, what do you think?
2: Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't really want to kick them out of stuff.
0: They're not kicked out. They're not yeah, a member of the G7. They're asking yeah. if they want to join. They've never been a member of the G7.
2: Yeah, I think it's always good to just to be able to have dialogues with countries about stuff really as but much do as Do you possible.
0: let them join the G7 with their record on human rights? If we do, we let yeah. Saudi Arabia in, which is not the not the look we the, the, the G seven goes for. They need, I said, they can join if they improve what they're doing at the moment. I mean, to, to fit the standards this, of like, the uh, world.
2: I don't know exactly which members are the, who were the members of the G seven, but you've
0: got like, uh, you've got Canada, United States, uh, Great Britain, Japan. Uh,
2: I was just thinking, is Russia in there or not? I
0: don't know. Yeah, Russia's in there.
2: Because Russia's record isn't exactly spotless. So. Yeah, no,
0: um, I'm not. No, I'm, like I said, I'm not saying it is. But what I'm saying is that you know, China have got no accountability. You know, there's no media to to tell them what they can and can't do. At least in Russia, there is an opportunity. You can if you don't get you know in Moscow, getting told you know get caught by Putin in person, uh, sort of thing. And, you know, I just think that China needs to need to be improving their image more, not just improving it in sugarcoating it for everyone else to see. They genuinely need to have some change if they really want to be taken seriously on a stage. Otherwise, they will be left out in the, in the cold. And they don't, they don't need, you know, they need the trade to be able to establish their economy on trade. And I do think they need to be doing more to, uh, to really earn, you know, earn that. And it just needs to be human rights. It needs to be said. It needs to be said in this podcast. So I'm glad we're doing it they need to be doing more on human rights because what they're doing at the moment is is a human rights atrocity. It really is. Then I want to come back on that. I'm guessing Audie wants to.
1: No, yeah, I can put, uh, you know, obviously, I completely agree they need to improve on their, on their human rights. Um, and yeah, and, and I think, you know, there's a lot of different strategies. Like, you know, I can see in some way some difference, but Albert sort of seems to more favour the, like, I guess you sort of befriend them and try and change them a bit more whereas you're sort of saying they need to change first and then um, come on to more things and overall I think that it's it's quite complicated as to, as to what you actually do but I do think that they certainly need to I think that the, the, the biggest thing is whatever you do at least try and do something that makes change because at the moment I feel like to a large extent, the over, even though there's little bits of sort of diplomacy that are targeting the human rights, I think the general approach is to put basically the interests of Britain or any mm. respects.
0: Germany and Australia. There you're the members of the G7. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you. Guys. Yeah, sorry I was, was to just, just, just say that. It came to my head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm saying that instead of putting like national interests at the, at the front of policymaking, they should like be choosing a policy that tries to make some sort of change to the human rights in China. Yeah. Because that's very important.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm glad we've done this, this, this episode and done it on this issue because it, it does need the media attention. You know, we've got uh, just under 300 active listeners on this podcast now. And I hope people will listen to this and, and hopefully try and, uh, you know, take a stand on it, share stuff on Facebook and Instagram. You know, you're doing it for every single other issue in the world this one needs just as much attention to it. You know, you can't just pick and choose which ones are suitable because, like I said, it it does need every single uh, human rights, um, you know, crisis needs something like this. Um, so I'm glad that we've we've decided to discuss this in a, in a in a civilized manner, not like last week's. I'd uh, like to apologise, Albert, on the rec- on record uh, for calling him a raging communist. <laughs> no, it's it fine. Was usually, yeah. my, my I enjoy standard. I
2: enjoy the discussions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, moving them. on. It's just to a... Bit of a
2: it. <laughs> yeah, you're not a
0: communist. Yeah, well, you <laughs> might, um, um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: well moving on to uh, you know, I I was walking through uh, you know round the wonderful scenes of North Yorkshire the other day and i went into a, a pub car park and uh quite a few there's a poster outside of it and it said you know fight night happening here and i went oh geez yeah, there's some fantastic famous faces on there uh from the world of politics and uh and from the celebrity world so i'm going to tell you the, the name i saw on this in the of this pub car park i want to say who do you think would win these fights? Obviously it's fight night. It's the return of fight night from last week. It got some good people Loved to listen to fight night. It got some good things. So I've come up with some, some more. Well, I am coming up with I saw them outside a pub. Um, but uh, so I've got some, so the first one, uh, which is coming up is uh, Johnny Mercer. This is Johnny Vegas. Who's winning this one? <laughs>
2: Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, John, Johnny Mercer has got his, you know, his
0: army training. You but Johnny Vegas, Vegas can exactly sink it. about 10 pints in 10 minutes. So Johnny, I mean, Johnny
2: Vegas looks like he could handle himself in a fight. I'm going to go with Johnny
1: Mercer just on the fitness aspect. I think yeah, I
0: mean. Johnny Mercer. Ozzy, who do you think is going to win this one? Mercer, yeah, yeah. Johnny or Johnny.
1: Albert said it's a tough one. I mean, it, it, it's really not. I'm, I, I imagine that Johnny Mercer would absolutely destroy Johnny <laughs> Vegas.
0: <laughs> I, I think I'm going for Mercer as well. I think Johnny, I love Johnny Mercer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think I love Johnny Vegas as well. It's a tough one for me to, to put in here. Uh, but yeah, no, I do think it will be, um, it will be Johnny Mercer for the week. Uh, the second one, uh, is it's con- sort of a continental one here. So uh, it's Emmanuel Macron versus Emmanuel Adebayor. Uh, obviously, the former <laughs> Arsenal striker, <laughs> Albert, who's winning this one?
2: Oh, um, I think I'd have to go with Adibayor. I think. Adibayor? Uh, Adibayor could do
0: so. mm. uh, Odysseus, what do you think?
1: Yeah, um, I'd also go for Emmanuel Adibayor on the basis that, you know, sort of someone who's like so, so trained to sort of do the sports and all the fitness against someone who's just a politician who probably. Has was far less physical exercise and I was was older as well, actually. So I think
0: comfortable wing for Emmanuel Adebayor. I'm going for Macron. You know, he's dubbed in the modern day Napoleon. And uh, as we saw, Napoleon can win a fight apart from at Waterloo, obviously. Get in, come on! Uh, so I do think that I'm going for Macron over Ademayor. Anybody spends most of the time on the injury bench, and you know, in injuries, anyway. So oh, that's, true, be,
2: that's true. That's true. He'll
0: probably will probably walk one step, and you know, his ankle will collapse or something. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going for, for Macron there. Now this one was a surprising one. You know, this is a one that you know I thought God, it's, it's his one, but I have to think about it. It was it was Jackie Chan versus Jackie Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> obviously, she <laughs> uh, thinks we're in this one, Albert. Jackie Chan or Jackie Kennedy?
2: Well, Jackie Chan, the martial arts expert, I think probably has a decent,
0: dis- decent. I mean, chance Jackie Kennedy, fight. and he took a bullet. I mean,
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still gonna go with Jackie Chan. Just going for Jackie Chan, yeah, we, we put, Aldi, Jackie who's winning? Would put
1: up a good fight. Yeah, yeah. Aldi,
0: Jackie Chan or Jackie Kennedy?
1: Is Jackie Kennedy?
0: Uh, JFK's wife.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that might be. Um, yeah, is, is Jackie Kennedy still alive?
0: No. No. <laughs> it's the only Jackie I could think of to come against Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan or Jackie Kennedy?
1: Chan's still alive, isn't it? Yeah, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's, is
0: Chan's still, alive, alive. still
1: alive, yes. So basically, an alive special...
0: No, Jackie Kennedy's alive a, at this point. In, no one in, is in, dead. Like, I'd like to make that clear. You that know the rules from Kennedy last week?
1: Prime. It's so
0: it's imagine really everyone prime. is in their prime. That's the thing.
1: Okay, uh, well, I mean, I'm just still definitely going for Jackie Chan.
0: Jackie Chan. I mean, I'm going for Jackie Kennedy. I don't think Jackie Chan would hit a woman. Uh, Yeah. Jackie Kennedy Kennedy would, would take advantage of that. She's a winner. She knows she's a winner. I think she would, uh, you know, people saying she was behind JFK's uh, election victory. She was really loved by the American people. I I thought you were going
2: to say she was behind his assassination. No, no, that's for another,
0: that's for another uh, podcast. We're (laughs) going to be talking about uh, not next week, but a couple of weeks time, we're going to talk about our favorite political conspiracy theories. Uh, which would be quite enjoyable to listen to. Uh, the main event in this fight night, it was uh, two people who are hugely famous and in political world. Uh, it is Ken Clark versus Ken Bone. Ken Bone, obviously from the uh, uh, Trump versus Hillary Clinton uh, debate. He was on there with his red sweater at the front, bald, mustache, oh. overweight. Who's winning this one, Ken Clark or Ken Bone?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I think. I think Ken Clark, to be honest, I know he's I know he's getting on a bit, but I think he looks like he could handle
0: himself. So. Yeah. What would I just
1: like to correct Albert there because it's, we're saying it's in their prime. It's when they're in their prime. It so. Their uh, prime. so yeah, 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 even yeah, in his prime, he'd still be able to handle it. Yeah. Uh, wait, Ken Bowden, who?
0: I just is, explained who Ken Bone was.
1: Yeah, but I'm looking for a picture of him. It. it says he's an American basketball coach.
0: No, there's two. There's two. Two. Uh, right, i While well, you look him up, I'll, I'll do it. So I think it's I think Ken Clark's in this one. I think Ken Clark. He's got a bit of a, a rough and tumble atmosphere. I mean, Ken Bone looks like he wouldn't hurt a fly. That's why he was so popular at the time in 2016. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Oli, we found a photo of him. Do you know what he looks like now? Yeah, actually, just
1: to clarify, this, there's not two. Ken, Ken Bone is like the guy who asked the question is also a basketball coach. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's <Wow. laughs> you learned something new, don't you? Book page.
0: Oh wait, hang on. No, oh, who's is... winning? Who's no, no, winning? Give us a name. You're going Ken Clark, aren't you? You're going Ken Clark. No, I'm going Ken Bone. You're going Ken Bone. Right, it's Ken Clark. But what's this? Ken Clark stands victorious over the battered Ken Bone, but who peers out for wanting to come into the fight to take Ken Clark on? It is, of course, Ken Livingstone. No, who no, wins no, in the no. in a match of the of the ages ken clark this is ken livingston albert ken
2: livingston a, a very good friend of the
0: podcast he's a, he's a classic uh, uh, we don't uh, know he's not at all he's no he's yeah, no in the podcast so and he, oh. please don't say that Albert because that man is an, a disgrace <laughs> to everything that I've all bet for. that he's a
2: character that's been reoccurring on the
0: podcast oh well, yeah Ken Livingston has been on the podcast a lot yeah, but he's yeah. definitely not a friend of the he's podcast so I'll give you that, Ken now. that. Say that exactly. now Ken Livingston does not listen to this podcast I wouldn't want him to listen to this podcast <laughs> uh, but who's winning Albert Ken or Ken
2: well he, he's, he's Ken Livingston for me I think it, he's, he'd be refreshed you know revitalised and ready to take on the challenge so I think yeah
0: he'd... Oddie who do you think
1: I mean, yeah, uh, I think, I think that definitely Ken Clark, uh, mainly just because Ken Livingston, I mean, you even in the way that you're obviously not allowed to be in the Labour Party, if you're sort of, <laughs> pathetic, I mean, are you allowed to be in fight nights?
0: Really- I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm going Ken Clark, you know, it's the f- former father of the House, uh, conservative traitor to Brexit versus Red Ken uh anti-semitic ken and I, i'm going for ken clark even though i'll put my differences aside this time and how we try to you know stall the will of the british people i do think that ken clark would absolutely batter ken livingstone and too right as well it is a you know unionist versus anti anti-Semites and the unionist always wins on that barf as Albert, we'll we'll soon find out when I batter him next week. Um, that's oh, a joke. We on this podcast no, we, we do not, not incite violence.
2: A social distance, Social distance, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, I'd like
0: say on this podcast we don't incite violence. It's just a bit of fun. Uh, we don't actually want you to start, you know, fighting Jackie Chan or yeah, uh, I mean, don't think you would. I mean, don't start fighting Ken Clark or Ken Levinson. that's you know, you can fight Ken Levinson in the street. Don't fight Ken Clark in the street. <laughs> um, but uh, I, on on that bombshell, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to thank Albert and Rossays for coming on talking about this such an important issue uh, this week. So thank you very much, guys, for for coming on. Obviously, we'll see you next week as uh, as usual. We're back to normal next week. We'll have a special guest. We'll be talking through the week, the news of the week. Uh, Zimbabwe corners going to be making a return. The mailbag's making a return, and uh, we'll see what game uh, we'll be making a return at the end of the podcast next week. So I'd like to thank you all for for listening, and uh, goodbye.